for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Paul Tonelli, who is the PA announcer for the San Francisco 49ers at Levi Stadium and morning radio host here in the Bay Area on the Lamont and Tonelli Show on 107.7 The Bone about the first home game with fans in attendance, well, meaningful game with fans in attendance since the NFC Championship back in 2019, which ironically was also played against the Green Bay Packers. All things we can talk to Paul Tonelli about, who joins me next. Today is Friday, September 24th. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast for the first time, the voice of Levi <laughs> Stadium. You can also hear him Monday to Friday on Lamont and Tonelli, 107.7 The Bone. It's Paul Tonelli. Paul, what's going on, man? What's up, Adam? Nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me on. Are, are you used to being interviewed, or is it mostly... No, not uh, at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's really kind of weird. You look kind of nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I am very nervous. <laughs> so fans coming back to Levi Stadium, uh, for those who don't know or don't recognize the voice when you're out at Levi's, Paul is, of course, the PA announcer. Did you do the games last year with no fans in attendance? Did the games at Levi's. Levi Stadium, and that was kind of a weird vibe. You walk into the stadium, and the, the pregame is just completely quiet. Oh. The fake crowd noise was very interesting to work with. But once you got into the the game and, and you just kind of started doing what you do, you're kind of like on automatic pilot. So once the game starts, the real weird part of last year was doing three home games in Arizona mm-hmm. and that I flew down to do the PA in Arizona for Niners on the road, but it was a home game. Right. It was just a weird well, for, for situation. Those, for those that don't remember, because of the, I guess, the COVID situation right. or the the restrictions, the uh, 49ers weren't allowed to finish their season at home at Levi Stadium, so they weren't allowing group gatherings like that or, or tackle football, so they had to go out to Arizona yeah. and finish their <laughs> their season at State Farm Stadium. So you went out there, you called those games, because the whole thing is like they bring you down to recreate the atmosphere of Levi Stadium, they wanted but there's to be no atmosphere. As much of a home atmosphere as possible, but you're right. There's no There were no fans <laughs> in the stands. It was the exclamation point at the end of Bizarre. So what's kind of cool, though, is the first game back now at Levi Stadium, the home opener Sunday night football, is against the Packers. The last time fans were in attendance before the preseason this year against the Chiefs was the NFC Championship game in 2019 against the Packers. Kind of a cool correlation, I thought. Yeah, it should be a good game, too. I think everybody's excited to see fans back in the uh, in the stands. Uh, you could kind of feel that during the two preseason games at Levi's. There was a... Uh, you know, the vibe was coming back. So now with the home opener being on a Sunday night, the national Sunday night game of the week, I think is just going to add to that a little bit. So it should be a great vibe this Sunday. As far as, as Levi Stadium goes, and I don't want to talk about the Niners and the roster in just a minute, but as far as Levi Stadium goes, have you accepted it? Have you embraced it? It's like, a, does it <laughs> does it feel like it's become home to the Niners? Because, like, you know Keysar, you knew Candlestick, you're an old-time San Francisco 49er yeah. fan, uh, first and foremost. <laughs> But I felt like 2019 was, and obviously winning cures all and changes everything, but it didn't feel like we heard as many sun arguments about Levi Stadium 2019. They were really good. They filled the stadium. The Browns game is one that comes to mind. The Monday night football game against the Seahawks. Both Packer games were a lot of fun. What's your, your take on the uh, the heartbeat of Levi Stadium at this point? Well, I'm, I'm an old candlestick guy, and I always say candlestick got a bad rap because of baseball, right. not because of football. The weather in May, June, and July – but during football season, if people remember, October, September, October, and the early part of November, we're off the charts at Candlestick yeah. weather-wise. So Levi's, it's a beautiful stadium. It just needs a little wear. You know, it, it's like a new shoe. It, it needs a little weathering, and I think people are starting to adopt it. And I think it'll be the Niners' home, obviously. 
and people will be more comfortable with it, but it just takes time. Yeah, there's different ways to sort of get that vibe and that heartbeat. You're right. It's like a shoe that has to be worn. It happens different ways because, like, when the Giants left Candlestick, everybody was excited that they got the jewel baseball ballpark on the water, and then Barry Bonds chases the home run record. You <laughs> make the playoffs in your first year. They go to the World Series in their third year in the park. So I feel like it, it gets worn a little differently, whereas it took the 49ers three different head or what, four different head coaches, I guess, from the time they got to Levi's to even make the postseason. Again. Yeah, the whole thing was unsettled from right. the very beginning, right? right? So, uh, And that's a big part of it. So you settle in. I think having Kyle and the success the Niners have seen over the past few years, like you were saying a, a few minutes ago, it, that kind of heals a lot of the of the wounds or whatever. And, you know, the Sun thing, the, the league is working with the team. If you notice the schedule in September and October, a lot of night games. We're starting with the Sunday night game. There's another Monday night game in there. There's a bye week. There's a couple of road games. So they've really kind of diminished as much as they can yeah. the effect of the Sun by scheduling. And then they'll have a home intensive late season, right? It's so. also why you start on the road a little bit, too. You don't right. get those hot August or September games down at, uh, at Santa Clara. So as far as the roster goes, I mean, first couple of games, game one, I thought they looked great. We were thinking, okay, yeah, the Lions look really bad. The 49ers look really good. There's probably a, a huge delta there, but something, you know, in between that you can you can put your thumb on, I think, and say the Niners are a damn good offensive team. And then guys are dropping like flies now. It seems like for the third year in a row, I mean, even in 2019, they had a ton of injuries on the offensive line, on the defensive line. They have a new center in Alex Mack this year. You lose Jason Verrett already, Raheem Mostert. What's your your thought on the team and the roster through two weeks? Well, you know, you have the injuries with the running backs, which is really disheartening because I think that's really a focus of the of the Niners offense right. and, and Kyle's running game. Yeah, and you think a lot about Garoppolo and Trey Lance and throwing the ball and Debo Samuel and, and uh, Brendan Ayuk, but uh, I think it's really based on the running game. And you have Bobby Turner as a running backs coach which I really, he's the straw that stirs the drink when it comes to the running game. And then you have the injuries coming in, like you said, with Mostert and Trey Sermon with the three shots to the head on that play last week. Jamichael Hasty coming up a little bit limp. Elijah Mitchell now is is maybe dinged up, and he's been a great surprise coming out of the sixth round and, and showing just some flashes. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of cover that up moving forward. And you look at the rest of the roster – I do think DB can be a problem in the defensive backfield. I think the front seven are, are, are as strong and as stout as anybody in the league. And I'm a, I'm a Jimmy G fan. I think Trey Lance is going to be fantastic. I think he's a talent and a specimen, too. I mean, he, I didn't realize he's 6'4", like 225. Yeah. <laughs> so you know he's, he's going to be doing something yeah. good. Yeah. But, you know, ease him into it and give him some time. We're going from get him in the lineup now to in 2005, oh, you can't put Alex Smith in the lineup yet. <laughs> We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. I think it's a different situation in that when Alex Smith was the number one pick, it was because the Niners were two and fourteen or something terrible before, right? Whereas they had this no is offensive a team, line. This is a team that was was not good last year, but due in large part to injuries, sure. due in large part to being displaced. Right. And also they've got Super Bowl aspirations. I wanted to ask you though, in terms of like we saw week one, Trey Lance comes in and throws a touchdown. Sort of like a I don't know if this is like analytic football now. We've seen other teams do it too. The Raiders their first Monday night game against the Ravens, did that with Marcus Mariota, immediately bring him in, run a read action play or whatever, and he's up the middle for a 30-yard gain. The Bears did it with Justin Fields and Andy Dalton week one. Kind of switching it up a little bit. Yeah, the Dolphins did it with Tua and Jacoby Brissett in week one as well, and now teams are kind of 
settling in a little bit. I saw her, I read somewhere. Did the Cowboys used to do it with like a Staubach and Morton or somebody like that? Or well, it, it, they did a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it, it wasn't as much of a changeup of styles as right. it is, say, with Jimmy G and, and Trey Lance and some of the other ones you're talking about. But there was a little bit of that going on. I mean, obviously, the big one was the Niners in the 60s. They went with a three-quarterback system in the early 60s. with, a, And I can't even remember the quarterback. Frankie Albert, I think, Y.A. Tittle, and um, I forget the third one. But, yeah. Pre Spurrier? Yeah, that was pre Spurrier. Yeah, okay. Because Spurrier came on in 65 or okay. 66. Uh, it well, might he was kind of mobile, though, wasn't he? Wasn't Spurrier a, a uh, mobile quarterback? Not as much? Not as much. No? He's just a small guy. I guess maybe I assumed he was. Yeah, but, the, yeah, that was... Uh, was it Red Hickey in the three-quarterback system, I think, back in the early 60s? That was something else. Yeah, yeah. So it's not something we've seen a whole lot of. Uh, do you think it's – it's for me, it's something now that, at the very least, other teams have to think about it and game plan for it. Because now you've seen it one week. Right. They didn't bring it in against the Eagles. But if you're in the division, you're thinking, at some point, they're just going to break this out. Maybe it's, it's a series of plays. Maybe it's one play. Maybe it's not at all. And for division games, it's – you're going to see them twice. And they can do this two different times with you. Yeah, situational. You know, yeah. you got to make sure both guys are down with it and know what to expect and just keeping everybody on the same page. I think communication is a big part of that. And then you look at it and say, okay, you want to keep the defense guessing so you don't want to get too predictable about it. Like I said, situational and, and guys know when it's going to happen. It's in the game plan. I, I, it can be a weapon, sure, if it's used right. So through two weeks of games, clearly the NFC West, best division in football. Absolutely. The Rams look really scary. They're playing the Buccaneers this weekend. That should be a really fun game right. Sunday afternoon before the Niners and the Packers. The Cardinals are – their defense has been really impressive through a couple of weeks, and Kyler Murray looks like he's going to rocket to the moon. Like He mm-hmm. looks like he's, he's one of the best young quarterbacks in football and becoming the number one pick that we thought. And Seattle, Seattle losing on a, a walk-off kick last week. Where do you stack the Niners up right now in the NFC West cruising into Week Three? I think you put them near the top. I think they're, you know, they're right there. I, th- I think it's going to come down to the uh, to the Rams and the Niners personally. As much as uh, Pete Carroll keeps Seattle in it every year, I don't know how he does it year after year to keep them toward the top of the division. But I look at Niners one and two or two and one, however that works, yeah. and then uh, probably Arizona the next year down, and 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 then Seattle at the bottom of the list. But I mean, it's razor thin among all four of them. You know, you could flip that and still be right. They might get three teams in out of the West, and the team yeah, that gets left out like might might be totally deserving and lose a handful of games by yeah exactly. By one score. Hey, thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate you coming by, man. Adam, always a pleasure. Love to do it again. All right, fantastic stuff from Paul Tonelli. And, and yeah, don't forget, when you're out at Levi Stadium and you hear this is third down, that's our guy Paul Tonelli of the Lamont and Tonelli Morning Show over on 107.7 The Bone as well. And a huge congratulations, by the way, to Paul, who was going in with his partner Lamont to the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. That's going down actually today. He's going into the Hall of Fame uh, this afternoon. And shout out our guy Marty Lurie, who is also going in today. I also want to make a, a special congratulations here on the back end of the podcast. Kate Scott, the great Kate Scott, who used to be the host of this program, this podcast, The Update. She was the first host of this podcast, uh, and she was named uh, now just the second woman. It's, it's actually the second woman in the last week to be named lead play-by-play broadcaster for an NBA team. Lisa Byington was named the play-by-play broadcaster for the Milwaukee Bucks just a couple of weeks ago or within the last 10 days or so. And now Kate Scott, our own Kate Scott, has been named play-by-play broadcaster for the Philadelphia 76ers. So a huge congratulations to Kate. We'll certainly get her on back on the podcast to discuss that in the near future. But a huge congratulations to the Update alumnus, Kate Scott. 
Thank you to Paul Tonelli. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. Guess what is coming up next week? The start of NBA training camps. The Warriors get into action on Tuesday. We're going to talk to Kendra Andrews of NBC Sports Bay Area, who covers the Warriors and does some Warrior podcasting of her own about what we should be focused on, what the number one storylines are, and just how well we think the Warriors will fare into the 2021-2022 NBA campaign. Also, at the end of next week, we're going to wrap up the final series of Major League Baseball's regular season. We'll have to talk some Giants baseball. We'll see if the A's can hang on as well. All that is coming in the days and weeks ahead. Until then, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy Sunday night football, 49ers and the Packers. We'll talk to you Monday.